Brothers and sisters, uh, we gather here today to remember the life of respectability politics. We come to remember a time when a black man could put on a nice suit and a tie and be respected as a first class citizen. Or so people would have you to think. I mean, people that look like you and me. People like Bill Cosby. Oh, wait. Wait, what? Bill Cosby just went to jail. For what? No. Stop playing. Not Bill Cosby. But I guess this is a good time while we're sitting here together, brothers and sisters, to remind you that it's not Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable who's going to jail. He's just a figment of your imagination like Wakanda. No, Bill Cosby's going to jail. And Bill Cosby's going to jail because we didn't really know who or what he was. I'm talking about these people who cry when the son is standing there in an orange suit. Where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18? And how come you don't know he had a pistol? These are not, these, these are not political criminals. These are people going around stealing Coca-Cola. People getting shot in the back of the head over a piece of pound cake. And then we all run out and we're outraged. Oh, the cops shouldn't have shot him. What the hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? As we gather here to memorialize respectability politics, I just want to remind you that we're here today to rebuke anyone, whether you be black, white, or whatever color. We rebuke anyone who would use respectability politics in the spirit of hypocrisy and in the spirit of oppression. Y'all know what time it is. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Uh, we're here for a requiem for respectability politics, man. Y'all know how I feel about respectability politics. It really, um, more than anything, is just it's, it's so damaging to black people because it perpetuates this idea that if you just clean yourself up, shine your shoes real nice, don't cuss at these people, you know, stay in line, that, you know, people will treat you with the respect that you deserve. And there's two fundamental uh, flaws with that idea. And the first, of course, is, is that you should have to go through all that trouble just to get a man's self-respect or excuse me, to get the respect of an individual. You shouldn't have to. But then the second part of that, of course, is that it's inherently wrong because of caste, because of class 
in this country and the idea that um, and this is, of course, you know, um, made effectual in law, in practice, in media. Um, and th this idea, this unfortunate idea that the black man is a second class citizen. And so we get to Bill Cosby and Lord, if people don't have their capes on for Bill Cosby. I mean, it's, it's nonsensical. I mean, you have a man here who was accused by, I want to say, close to a dozen women of sexual assault. And we want to give him a pass because he was a really good dad on TV. I mean, at some point, this has to stop. I mean, I get it. You know, you grew up with these folks. You, you know, you feel like you have some type of connection to them. And, you know, we do it, you know, across the spectrum, not just with Bill Cosby. You got folks like R. Kelly. We've heard so many, you know, allegations, you know, in Hollywood that, you know, were in conjunction with the Me Too movement. You know, there's Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, 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 you thought I was going to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to hold celebrities to a high standard, I mean, you thought we wasn't going to hold, you know, public officials like Supreme Court judges, you know, people with a lifetime uh, appointment. You thought we weren't going to hold them accountable too, man. Y'all must not. Y'all must have just got here to make any difference. But I want to start this discussion out by talking about Bill Cosby and the fact that people are caping for him and they're caping for him for two reasons, both of which are flawed. And I mean, while, and while I understand them in principle, they're flawed. And the first is, it's this idea that, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, that the black man is treated with indignity and dishonor. And that is true. But why is it that we only, uphold this standard in this in this ideal when it's an issue of celebrity why do we deify celebrity so much that we want to give rich folk a pass but when it's somebody in our family or somebody in our community we don't have the same type of benevolence and that's why there's a a, a chasm even between the black haves and the black have-nots because we'll throw people in the hood away like it's nothing. But that all goes back to whom we cape for. And we cape for people who you heard in the in uh, Mr. Cosby's previous or the commentary to start the show. That was from his uh, now infamous pound cake speech that get this. Was presented to a at a college campus in, in front of a I guess a. You know, uh, look, muckety muck uppity audience at the 50th anniversary of Brown versus the Board of Education. So, I mean, just think about the irony of that for a second. You know, civil rights legislation like you commemorate it with an indictment of black people. <laughs> it's disgusting. Not as disgusting as, you know, multiple women accusing you of sexual assault. But here we are. So, as I mentioned, we have that's the you know, the first part of it is. Well, you know, they were after Bill Cosby. So we address it in terms of the merits of the individual or what we perceive to be the merits of the individual. But then we also compare that individual with other situations or other individuals in society. So we make the Cosby to R. Kelly comparison. We make the Cosby to Kavanaugh comparison. And we also do that in a flawed manner because 
what should happen. And I'm not talking about ideally. I'm talking about the decision you have to make as an individual in how you judge people and how you interpret people's actions and the things that they say is you have to judge them as individuals. And once you do that, what you'll realize is, is that you'll stop being fake and you'll start being a real person. When you judge individuals, regardless of whether they start uh, on your favorite TV show or they drop the fire album, you're going to judge them by saying, oh, well, what they just did was trash. And if there's a, a history of them doing trash stuff, then you got to say, man, that individual is trash. Hey, man, I know hey, it's <laughs> it's going to be like that today. I'm making a difference, man. I hope y'all share this commentary with people because. Like it's much needed because you got so many people out here who, you know, are talking about these issues and they're not, they're not getting to the heart of the matter in my estimation. So if you're hearing this and you're like, well, man, this dude is telling like a T.I.T. is, then you got to you got to share. You got to let people know, man. Um, look, get it popping on Facebook. Get it popping on some of you. Um, some of you guys may have gotten here from Instagram. I appreciate that. Love. Some of y'all have, have, may have gotten here from Twitter. However you got here, man, if this is, you know, applicable to your opinion or thoughts on this issue man like please share this podcast man it's so important because like the the narratives are, are going are going all over the place which is per usual for the media it's like it's a culture of confusion but what's going on here with cosby is is pretty cut and dry and the way i see it now i do want to talk about an idea or rather a word that has really become like one of my go-to words lately and that word is indignity and I often use it with perspective to labor and, you know, how some jobs that people take on are are like present indignities within themselves. As I, you know, mentioned earlier, like black people are treated like second class citizens. That's an indignity. And so I've been using that word a lot to describe this idea that is not enough to just beat up a person or tear down a person you got to embarrass them too and while i do believe that bill cosby should go to jail for what he did there are certain indignities that cannot be overlooked you know when you look at a man who is 81 legally blind as some of y'all put it i ain't gonna put it this way because y'all cold for this saying he uh he about to about to see jesus anyway i mean to cuff this man and you know take him out the courtroom like for like the ravenous media that's an indignity this man this man's not running anywhere this man isn't you understand the man's got a cane but you have to understand that this is a part of the system this is a part of the injustice system this is a part of the united states of america like this this treatment of black men on whatever side of the spectrum that you're on and so you have to move accordingly. I'm not saying you got to move in fear, but I'm saying you got to move accordingly to this because they're looking to embarrass you in this way. And it's with that understanding that I have a certain attitude as it relates to respectability politics. At me, Ken making host of making the difference. I'm going to say whatever needs to be said to whomever it needs to be said to. There's a certain fear that some black people have of saying what needs to be said. Because they don't want to be seen as indignant. They don't want to be seen as being disrespectful. This is also a part of the danger of respectability politics. Because what happens when you bite your tongue 
in this idea of trying to be respectable, there are times when you perpetuate you unintentionally perpetuate white supremacy. You perpetuate the mediocrity of whiteness. It's this spirit that's prevalent in the media because the media will easily indict Bill Cosby. Yet it will allow the likes of Brett Kavanaugh to engage in a bid to become a member of the Supreme Court. That's disgusting. What's good for one should be good for all. If we're going to engage in a culture when there is a presumption of guilt, when there are accusations of sexual assault. And not only that, we got to understand that the Supreme Court is one of the highest standards in the land. So if you're going to have individuals on the Supreme Court who have this questionable type of past, you're telling me two things. The first and most profound thing that you're telling me is that the law doesn't matter. That the application of laws, the adjustment and adaptation of laws does not matter. So you perpetuate a lawless nation by virtue of whom you select to the Supreme Court. But here's what you also say. What you also say is. Whiteness is hypocrisy. And I want to explain that to the letter, because here you treat black people as second class citizens. You treat black men as if they are as if we are savage beasts. But then in the same breath, you say, well, we're going to hold black people. We're going to hold black men to a higher standard than we are white men who are making a bid for the Supreme Court. I want y'all to think about that for a minute. The truly sinister danger of respectability politics is this, is that it's an impossible standard. It's a standard where the black man will never, well, black people will never be good enough. And this is why when you have folks who are in the black community who are caretakers of respectability politics, who are, Therefore, whether unintentionally or no, perpetuators of white supremacy, this is why we must move swiftly and we must move quickly to rebuke and correct the things that these individuals say. Because if we don't, they will literally sell us up the river. And it's with that thought process where I present to you guys a great song from a great album. I know you guys are waiting for Carter 5 and I'm going to let you finish, but Lupe Fiasco has put out an incredible piece of work, uh, Drogas Wave. Uh, this is one of the um, the records from that album. It's called Gold Versus the Right Things to Do. I'm also encourage you to go to Genius.com man, and, and check out the lyrics for this thing so you can really see what this brother's talking about. You're listening to Making a Difference. Let me tell you about the team. Come sit round the fire. Let me tell you where we come from. Let me tell you the story. Some men wanna live like a banker Fill up the ship then pull up the anchor Pay the man them to come run and take ya Ross clot chain in the brainwash nature Jag give me your clothes in my tailor Drop leg to the rhythm of the maker Mash up the board of the fussy wholesaler No rain or fall upon a Babylon acre yeah. Zinc fence but me man there's a mansion Them must have a rubber still have a barshman Him in the cross but him still be a dancing Everything cook a curry like a champion In a jam but the man him a jamman Original you should come follow fashion yeah. Me already done seen what the future hold Enough gold for the dark hearts and the chasms 
So big up your chest like a skin teeth in a bad man wagon. No fear me a dappy assassin. Make a wish me a duchy a lagon. What them eyes are for them earth strong. Give thanks to the first gun. The man word like a bird song. I yourself me a word pun. Make one tell you about the nations. Gravelicious men in the wicked navigation. Smile up the slaves and stuff them in arrangement. We the children of the first generation. Firebird, attack, attack, attack. Babylon, Would you bring some? Tell her why I'm bashed, you sight me. See him don't want the liquor, let it feisty. See him got enough bigger for the trip. Now I worry about the thing, man. Everyone irate. Fuck, worry me now, one for doing. And my something, man, want me to betray. Pick me for aquatic ball head, must think me foolish. Me put a cut less in his nonsense. Why? Wake up in your dreams. To the smell and the sound and the screams and the panic of the captain and the crew who don't know what to do as the ship comes apart at the seams. Got him. Shit gets pulled to the bottom by a group of men and women holding ropes with large hooks on the ends, specifically designed for catching boats. Crew in disbelief as they choke the weight of the chains on the slaves. Pull them down to what they think of their graves. Afraid as they sink from the surface of the sea till a soft voice in the water tells them, breathe. to making a difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. I am Gloria Frazier, and I have been your Georgia State Representative for House District 126 for over a decade. You have trusted me with this awesome responsibility since 2006, and I ask that you trust me once again with your vote in the general election on Tuesday, November the 6th. I could tell you about the various committees I have served on in the State House or the recognition in the form of awards I have received. I would rather much talk about the importance of serving my community. Service that takes a shape in the form of a world-class cyber center and training facility here in Augusta, Georgia. $50 million have been allocated by the state in this facility, which will bring jobs and opportunities to Richmond County. 
service that takes shape in the form of dedication to education and affordable health care. Service isn't just about buildings, it's about building up people, whether it's a child in pre-K or a senior citizen. That's why it's so important that you vote for me in November. Involve yourself in the political process, not just when you vote, but also informing yourself about what's going on in your city, your state, and this country. I am grateful for your support in the primary and for the past 13 years. Now I'm asking you to continue your support by re-electing me, Gloria Frazier, as your Georgia State Representative for House District 126. Paid for by the Committee to Re-elect Gloria Frazier. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. So glad you guys are still uh, continuing this conversation with us. We're talking about a requiem for respectability politics. And I do want to shift the conversation somewhat because I do think we're at a perilous time uh, in this country in terms of the presumption of guilt as it relates to accusations of rape. I think, well, I don't think I know, like two things, two things need to happen here. The first thing that needs to happen is we need to hear out the accusations of rape victims, of people who are saying, you know, I was sexually assaulted or I was sexually violated because there is a culture that exists where people not only don't feel comfortable about coming out and, and saying that they were raped or saying that they were abused. I mean, it to me, the, the culture should be as such, whereas that when these things happen, we need to know. We don't need to find out 10, 15, 20 years down the road. We need to create a culture where people feel comfortable enough to come out and say, you know what, these things happen to me. But the other part of that conversation is due process. And that's the part of the conversation where, you know, once these accusations are made, are made, then we find out the truth and we don't indict people before the facts come out. Now, I know where all of this is going to go, and I can tell you right now how I'm going to break the rest of this conversation down, because the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. And you're saying, well, you know, nothing um, concrete has come out against Kavanaugh. I'm going to explain to you the, the difference in what I'm saying versus Brett Kavanaugh. And I also want to talk about the the effectiveness of the Me Too movement, because while I do think that it is a household name, while I do think it has improved some of the conversations and it has put a dent in rape culture, I do feel like ultimately it is a movement that is more serving for white women than it is for black women. And I do think there is a, a there's a significant concern that I have about that that I'm going to explain here very shortly. But first, let me talk about Brett Kavanaugh, because here is what you have to understand there, as, as I talk about often, there are two Americas and with this two, this is how the the Americas are assessing the Kavanaugh situation. There's a one very disconcerting school of thought that wants to rush the Supreme Court appointment of Brett Kavanaugh in the midst of these allegations of rape. And that is not only politically disappointing and disconcerting, but in terms of uh, morals, it again, I think it, it just it highlights and underscores the hypocrisy of not only the Trump administration, but just the conservative movement that we see going on in this country. 
And I do think that the dueling school of thought against, you know, wanting to appoint Kavanaugh again, the Supreme Court um, seat is the highest in the land. I mean, it's it's a high standard that, you know, with these allegations, the we should allow due process to happen because if Kavanaugh is not guilty of these accusations, is not guilty of these accusations, then, you know, however you may feel politically, you know, we, we can move accordingly. But while these things are going, but while these accusations are out here and they're they've been unresolved, it is, again, irresponsible to try to force and, and, and push this thing through. But again, I think it speaks to the culture of confusion um, that exists in the media that exists, you know, within this administration. Now, this is not unprecedented because. Lest we forget, Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice, became a Supreme Court justice, you know, in the shadow of uh, what happened with Anita Hill. And I think the I don't think the I know. One of the most heartbreaking things that happened with that situation was basically. And I'm talking about black people here threw Anita Hill away because, hey, we want a black Supreme Court justice. Once again, this underscores the danger of respectability politics. This underscores the danger of the the has versus the have nots, because what happens is, is that, okay, we want to see somebody get into a position and and. We look at the collateral damage and we say, oh, it's just, you know, some lesser employee or it's just, you know, it's just these folks in the hood. I mean, they're impoverished. They're no good anyway. We can't have that attitude in the African-American community. Uh, We shouldn't have that attitude, period. I don't care who you are and what you're trying to do at whatever point in time. I don't care if it was your favorite teacher. I don't care if it's your pastor. Like when these things come out, like due process has got to happen. We got to hear from the alleged victims we got to hear from the accused that's a part of due process and we're at the point in this country where everything is so uh, misconstrued and everything is so skewed that we don't allow justice to happen and so that brings me to the me too conversation and i want to frame it with this understanding and this ideology as it relates to black women and white women because here's what i see happen when it comes to social issues when white women bring an issue to the forefront and they'll package it as all women, they'll say all women. And so black women will latch onto that, which is good because I understand that, you know, there are serious concerns in this country and abroad with sexism, different things like that. I'm all for women empowerment. What concerns me is white women don't have that same energy for black women. When black women say things like black lives matter. So what I need sisters to understand is that don't let white women use you politically or otherwise to further their agenda, especially when when the rubber uh, meets the road, like you're the one that's left behind. I will also go on and continue to uh, to outline and explain that rape culture for black women in this country is far more traumatic and unsettling than it is for white women in this country because you have to understand there was a time um i'm reading this book and you guys will hear i don't know if i've already talked to you about it but you guys will hear me talk extensively about this i'm, I'm reading the autobiography of uh, dr ben mays who's former president of morehouse who was a uh, doctor uh, the reverend dr martin luther king jr's mentor the name of the book is born to rebel 
And he is basically describing the times of, you know, how he came up as a youth and, you know, just different things and really growing up during this, like, I mean, just an, an, an all, I mean, look, it's, it's never been great for black folks here in America, but just during a time where you could be literally killed or beaten or raped for the smallest thing. And so what he was explaining was, you know, there there was a time when, you know, you know, black folks would be working in people's houses or, you know, just just different things. And literally he was explaining the culture of how black folks did not let their daughters like work, you know, in, in an area alone. They wouldn't let them walk, you know, um, to the store alone like they had to walk with, you know, somebody. It was either a, a brother or, you know, um, just whomever. But just you couldn't go alone. And he was describing a situation where some girl was walking by herself and, you know, some white man had taken her to the woods and raped her. And then like so many, you know, so many months later, like she was pregnant and then just, you know, just different things like this happening. But that is a part of American history. And it's a part of American history that we don't talk about. But I always say that when we don't talk about how sordid American history can be, especially the history that's at the expense of black people, we do so to everybody's, we do so to everybody's discredit. And I say we do so to everybody's discredit because at the end of the day, what we should want, whether you're black man, black woman, white man, white woman, or whomever, is you should want the elimination of, I'm not talking about rape culture, of rape, period. And it's something that is doable, but it's an issue of self-respect and it's an issue of respective people. When you talk about physical rape, when you talk about sexual abuse, you're talking about just one of the greatest atrocities. And I'll use this word again, indignities that you can inflict on a person. And the fact that we would change the rules of engagement when something like this happens, because it may happen in a workplace or because it may happen to a certain gender of person or it may happen to a certain nationality of person is sick. We shouldn't apologize it. We shouldn't cape for it. We shouldn't excuse it. I mean, there are people listening to this podcast right now who may have been sexually violated by a member of their family. And they haven't felt comfortable with coming out and saying it because of what we perpetuate in terms of in terms of the culture, because they go on Facebook and they see people apologizing and caping for Bill Cosby, who was found guilty of rape. And so people are thinking. I mean, why not? Why, why would you not have the, the mindset and the thought of, well, if people are going to feel this way about Bill Cosby, me as a, a regular individual, like I don't have a chance. Like this is it's one of the disappointing things about the United States of America as it's currently constructed and as the media is currently constructed is that we politicize things that should be cut and dry. That should be common sense. Bill Cosby needs to go to jail. He's going to jail. If there are individuals who are guilty of rape, they need to go to jail. We talk about like statute of limitations, but there's no limitation on a person memory who was raped. They got to deal with that for life. If it was your son or your daughter, you want blood. And I think rightfully so, because, again, this is one of the worst things that can happen to a person that could be that can be inflicted on a person. And as I close out this commentary, I think that's why Bill Cosby was or is the perfect candidate for respectability politics. When you think about just all of these things that the Cosby show um, perpetuated. And I mean, it was good for, you know, creating a family setting and all of that is great. But I mean, how many folks are in debt because 
they were told, well, college is the only way you can make it. Like we try to create this lifestyle like the Cosby's not understanding wealth disparities and not understanding that you were going to have to pay more for a house than a white person or it was going to be more difficult for you to get a job than a white person. Like the Cosby show didn't really deal with that. A different world touched on it a little bit, but they were just more pressing and deeper issues. But yeah, Bill Cosby was the perfect candidate to perpetuate and to present respectability politics because here's what respectability politics ultimately does. It ultimately says it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what indignities have been impressed upon you. Go go in the shower, clean up, put on a nice suit and get out here and act like nothing ever happened. And that's what we always tell black people to do in this country is we know slavery happened. We know Jim Crow happened. America doesn't care. Go and get in the shower, clean up, come out here with a nice suit. And we'll think about, you know, we'll think about getting you back in the system. We do the same thing with victims of rape. We say get in the shower, clean up, put on a nice suit, put on a nice face and get out here. And we may think about bring you back as in the part of the system it's enough man we got to speak out and we got to speak out boldly for people who are victims for people who have been victimized for people who have been attacked by the system and we got to do it because rest assured if we let if we let the oppressors get away with kicking people's door in you can bet your bottom dollar sooner or later it'll be your door that gets kicked in that's my time man Oh, my God, man, we got so much like just powerful and thought provoking commentary that's coming up. Like, I just I can't tell it all, man. It's just y'all better stay tuned, man. <laughs> y'all better stay tuned. Y'all better tell your people, man. Like, this is where it's at over here. with making a difference, man. Y'all y'all know the routine, man. I'm going to tell you to share this and post that and do all this, man. But it's like y'all out here living in the world, man. And y'all know who keeping it real and who not keeping it real, man. So like it's, it's really it's. As much as it's up to me, it's up to y'all too, man, to get this word out here, man. I appreciate everybody from the heart, man, who's showing love, you know, to the Making a Difference movement. We got cats literally donating out their own pockets, man. It's like, hey, man, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what you're saying. Like, I'm I'm indebted to those people, like, like more than you even know, man, like, from the heart, man. Like, love y'all, man. Y'all my – people talk about family is flesh and blood, man. Nah, family is people that ride with you, man, that ride for the stuff that you ride for, that believe in the stuff that you believe in. And that's why we're here. Uh with the Making a Difference movement, man. Y'all know what it is, man. I'm Ken Making. Love y'all from the heart, man. Peace and God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making a Difference. But the movement doesn't stop here. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference show. That's the best way to keep up with all of our podcasts and video logs. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.